and welcome to Talking Football Extra, the Ausstieg Edition, your source for all things Zweite Bundesliga and Lower League German football. On today's show we'll be talking about Schalke's coming back from the dead, St. Pauli's dreadful trip to Rostock and an awful lot more. My name is Nick Wiltagen and I'm joined by a man who from next season can actually call himself Bundesliga referee. And additionally, he is an award-winning podcaster. It is, of course, the one and only Mike Krickemeyer. Hi, Nick. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. And I hope you do fine, too. So. Yes, yes. I'm not Bundesliga referee level fine, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. Anyways, uh, this show wouldn't be the same uh, without the tactical insights uh, and, you know, puns about food from Jasmine Baba. How are you doing today, Jasmine? All good, no award wins for me, but a team win, which was nice to see on the weekend. Well, hey, so there you go. Stay tuned, in a short while we'll be back talking about the Bensley 2. we go and what's the biggest story since last we spoke guys Desmond I think your money probably beyond Schalke sort of coming back from the dead right every time we make the mistake of calling this race and someone's out of it they crop back in they slay themselves back in it's a bit like in Godfather 3 where Robert De Niro says Every time I think I'm out of it, they pull me straight back in. <laughs> that was a fantastic accent. We should have more accents on the show. But yep, three wins in their last matches. I can't remember the scoreline, so someone will have to fill me in because it's Schalke. I try, I try to forget everything. All right, 3-0 against Ingolstadt, 2-1 uh, against uh, Hanover, and 2-1 against Dynamo Dresden as well. So but by any means, it's probably not the most convincing of runs they've had to uh, be kind to them. And it's it's not necessarily the hardest of tasks they've had at hand. No, but I mean, especially towards the start of the season and earlier fixtures, you could have said they would have drawn at least once or two, especially when they played Hanover. They were a little bit stronger than they had been. So I think under Gramotzis, I mean, they drew 1-1 with Auer. So you could see those kind of results happening to them again. So to have a new coach and have a new coach bounce, those lesser games or games against lower down the table clubs do build up confidence and a new way of playing. However, I think I've said it on the last podcast as well, they have one of the hardest run-ins. Their next six games, their last six games, Heidenheim at home, Darmstadt away, Werder at home. Those are make or break, as it is. And then after that, if they do get through them, away at Sandhausen, which is proving to be tricky for the top sides, St. Pauli, and then Nuremberg. It, it's definitely not easy, and it's it's, it's a big ask for an interim manager. Right. So what has Mike Buskins done to turn things around other than, you know, maybe getting a new atmosphere installed at the club? I think that's basically it. Um, from a tactical point of view, I haven't seen that much difference, although I'm pulling up blanks of how they played against 
Dinamo Dresden. Dinamo Dresden look a lot better as well. They're playing more possessional football, so it probably suited to Schalke's strength of being in that normal defensive mode half the time. So I think a part of it is that confidence level. Schalke are a very emotional club and do work that way a little bit more. So to have a club legend come in and bring that to that squad, it's something that squad needs. Indeed. Bild is writing, I think on, on Monday, Bild wrote that Stefan Leitl is going to take over and that the deal pretty much is done and dusted. Today, Kicker is writing that, well, Schalke are interested in him, but it's not done and dusted. So what would we make of Leitl as a, you know, a guy to take Schalke into the future? Would, would he be a better fit than, uh, let's say, Dimitrios Gromotsis, who uh, got the nod the last time around? Yeah, I mean, Stefan Leitl got uh, promoted, so I guess by proxy that's a little bit better. Kramotsis was a massive risk, and what he did at Darmstadt during the COVID season, I don't think was reflected with any kind of experience that he had. That was his only real Spider Bundesliga experience of managing, and Schalke just went, yeah, him, and still baffling to this day for me. And they had such quality talent and such a There's so many things at Schalke that needed maybe a more experienced manager to take through and really manage from top to bottom that Gramotzis seems like an outrageous pick. I mean, that build article had other shortlisters as well. They had um, Sandro Schwartz, which I, I could see, but I can't really remember his tenure at Mainz. I mean, he was at Dynamo Moscow before leaving because of the war and also Daniel Farker which I don't see as a fit at all just because of style and management. I don't think Light is done either. I think it truly depends. If Schalke go up I think they might reevaluate their options and if they stay down does Light all want to go? There's obviously it's a bigger club than Furt so he probably will but that's still a question to be asked. From what I've heard, I don't think it's done. I think Schalke are still having a quite a bigger shortlist than that as well. Any any candidates that you would uh, like to see on that list? I mean, who would be a good fit for for that side? I would be really happy if they sign Markus Anfang. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, well, and that is one of this man's award-winning podcaster for the one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> If they could go back in time and get Tedesco back and promise him the world and be like, I know it went wrong, come back <laughs> and lead us to greatness, lead us to promotion. That's, I think, that's the only one I, that comes to mind. But realistically, they're all their realistic options that I thought, ah, maybe this one would work, have gone. And they did it at the beginning of the season. They did it. They keep on doing it. They're not good at timing. Well, I guess Peter Neuer has to do it once again then. Anyways, uh, changing topic, Mike. St. Pauli, they had a bit of a dreadful trip to uh, Hansa Rostock. Uh, first of all, there was a 1-0 defeat, which now makes uh, Rostock the team of the hour in the Bundesliga 2, now that they've won the last four of their matches. However, uh, what St. Pauli and their fans really were upset about was something completely different. What was it? 
Yeah, maybe first of all, we need to clarify that I not really will be a referee in the first Bundesliga of professional football next year. Uh, before thousands of our listeners come traveling and are disappointed. So I will just be a referee in blind football Bundesliga, at least. And that was also the reason why I was in Hanover this weekend and I was not able to join the game in Rostock. So I'm quite... Well, uh, I would say I'm sad uh, on that, but of course um, it, it wouldn't have been a real uh, joyful time in Rostock. Uh, apart from the game, some uh, clashes already took part in halftime when uh, lots of fans were closed in on the toilet uh, and were not able to escape because uh, there were pyrotechnic um of all kinds thrown to them from the Rostock end. Uh, so I don't know why the stadium is built like that, but if you are in the home end in Rostock, you can throw things to the visitors section. And so many people were locked in in the toilets um, and were not able to get out of that. And after, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, the police managed to solve that situation. So this was really not fun. And then after the game, of course, Rostock wanted to celebrate. So the stadium announced that the visitors and should leave the stadium as soon as possible, what we did, or the St. Pauli fans in Rostock did. Uh, and then the shuttle buses should bring them to the station. Uh, you need to know that it was not possible to get back from Rostock to Hamburg in time on that evening because it was scheduled so late. So the last train left Rostock when the second half started. So there was only a special train from St. Pauli back to Hamburg. So uh, it was the only choice for them to reach that train. And so everyone was, of course, keen to get that train. So everyone left the away sector, moved out of the stadium, but still on the stadium ground, they were locked again by the police and were not allowed to leave the stadium area outside of the stadium itself because the shuttle buses were not there at that time. Brilliant organizing. I don't know why. Uh, it was really a big mess. And again, the home fans managed to throw pyrotechnic inside this locked amount of people. How is that stadium designed? Yeah, well, uh, we do... Is it, is it called the Danger Arena in its first draft? Yeah, well, the, there, there are some reasons uh, why the home section is next to the away section. And I think it's not, first of all, to uh, enable such dangerous situations. But at least it, it's not a good situation, of course, especially for a game like Rostock St. Pauli. And well, to make it even worse, uh, of course, pyrotechnic was thrown in both directions. So we are not only angels, I need to admit, but uh, we were the one who were locked in this more or less cage, police on one end, uh, the fences on the other end. Uh, we were not allowed to get back into the stadium. We were not allowed to get out of the stadium. 
Yeah, and then the police uh, thought that it would be a good idea uh, with zero degrees around to throw some, to shoot with water cannons uh, in those blocked section with people not being able to leave in any direction. So <laughs> shoot with water cannons, great idea. Yeah, and then uh, after, I don't know, another 30 minutes, the shuttle buses arrived and then the situation was solved. But of course, um, you can't say there could have been better endings to the whole trip, of course, uh, on the pitch and off. But I mean, who's to blame here then? Is, is it the shoddy organization by Hansa Rostock and their officials? Is it the police? Is it the Rostock fans? Or are some Pauli fans to blame for this situation as well somewhat? Well, of course, like I said before, we are not all angels. And I think also from our side, some people were looking forward to this match, not only because of the sporting events, but the the situation after the game definitely was not on us so if the shuttle buses would have been there everyone would have gone to this to the station and there were would have been no fuss at all so i don't know if hansa is to blame for that so i don't think they organize the shuttle buses i don't even think the police does it that so it's I don't know who to blame for for that. But of course, in that case, when the shuttle buses are not there at the moment, you should just allow the people to stay in the away section until the, the buses are there and then bring them to the station as soon as possible. And definitely don't shoot with water at them if they are locked in a very small section with no chance to get away. Uh, we, we, of course, I would not bring my, I don't know, six-year-old daughter to that game in the away section, but there were children in there. And, um, well, if you ask yourself in two or three years' time why these people don't like the police, yeah, you might have your answer in that situation. But, I mean, one, one thing that struck me whilst thinking about this is, is the fact that don't the different part of the security and the officials who are running the, the game at the stadium communicate with one another? I mean, shouldn't the announcer have known that, hang on, there are no shuttle buses here? Well, I think so. I assume he did that. I, I'm sure he was thinking that the buses are there or he at least thought that they would arrive in a few minutes. And again, I don't know why this happened so on the other hand uh, maybe to to cut this short um, the club is talking to our supporters the uh, section and uh, to to the fan laden in, in person and they are evaluating the chances to complain legally it's not decided yet uh, we did a similar thing uh, in the I don't. I think two or three years ago with Bielefeld uh, away, and um, there was a yeah, there was a decision some months ago where we succeeded. But of course, if there is a decision in two or three years' time that this was handled in the wrong way by the police, well, it won't help any person who was affected by that on Saturday evening this week. Right, but nobody was seriously injured then. That is something we might well, have to there, do. There were some injuries. Uh, they were not all related to that situation. But to, we do, for example, have one person who has broken his ankle. Um, so um, there were serious injuries. And um, 
Nothing life's threatening, hopefully. Let's change topics. Uh, Jasmine, uh, you, you love predictions, right? Yes. So I'm going to ask you, uh, are Ingolstadt an hour beyond rescuing at this point? I think so. They're 10 points away from, well, 10 and 9 points away from Dresden. So I would say so. But miracles can happen. Maybe Hensel and the person that is now actually their coach that I've forgotten the name of will have a miraculous comeback. No, I'm joking. They've been awful. They've been awful all season. Our even allowed Archley. I'm not going to blame our too much because we lost 5-0 to Hamburg. <laughs> so our losing 4-0, okay, they've done one goal better than us. But yeah, to allow this kind of Hamburg that was, have been trailing for a little bit to score that many goals, maybe get their confidence back for the title race isn't good. I can't remember the last time our won a game. I think it's from December now? Is it still December? Or is it January? Well, actually, our the last match they won was in the Rückrunde, and that was a 1-0 win over Jan Regensburg on match day 25. So that was uh, four weeks ago, given that we have an international really? break. But oh. that is their only win in the Rückrunde. That's their only win in the Rückrunde. So and I you know, we are 11 <laughs> matches into the Rückrunde. We've played more, a good chunk than more than half of the Rückrunde. And still, they only have one win to their name and four wins in total, I think. They've got lots of, lots of draws, though, I have to say. Seven. I can just see them losing almost every game. And then you've got Ingolstadt as well. I, I think it, they were both in our predictions in... Just before the Rückrunde, I think we both went our in Ingolstadt? Or did I say Ingolstadt somehow free themselves? I said our no. could free themselves and you said Ingolstadt, so <laughs> we were both wrong. I, I, think we, I think we might have gone our Ingolstadt and Sandhausen, but I said Sandhausen stay up through relegation playoff. We always say Sandhausen yeah. stay, stay up, right? It's a, it's a written law. I mean, no matter how terrible they play, uh, no matter how dreadful their football is to watch, they always will stay up. So that, you know, that's sometimes... I mean, for our, this is probably not the biggest of disasters because they've been there before. But uh, what do you think about FC Ingolstadt? Are they going to return to the Bundesliga 2 anytime soon, Mike? If they indeed get relegated, which I think they will. Yeah, well... Um I, I think this this weekend they they managed to win that game against Aue in extra time, but uh, injury time. Sorry, yeah, they, they they will go down. It's it's ten points, just just these few matches left, so no chance for them. But yeah, I think they do have the financial background of. Audi in their club, even if they are not that big as a sponsor as Volkswagen is it for 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 Wolfsburg, but they are probably too big to fail for for the, the Dritte Liga. So I expect them to return. They also do have uh, some very good youth teams, especially for for a club who will then be in the Dritte Liga. So yeah, I expect them to come back probably next year already but of course you can never predict that because the league is also really weird <laughs> indeed i mean just one last note on english i've been to english once and uh, all i can say is it's, it's a dreadful place you should never go there there are probably 
I don't know, 35 better places to visit in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 right about now. Anyways, um, one last note. Uh, the Ultras are back several places. Uh, if you want to, you know, take a closer look at what's been going on on the stands, you, you know, should check out sites like fascinationfancover.de. There you can, for instance, see the great pine root display that the Nuremberg fans, the Nuremberg Ultras, put up against FC Heidenheim. Now, Mike, most teams or most cities have now decided to you know to to let her rip to open it all up and you know no restrictions or only some restrictions so what can we expect going forward yeah for for most of the clubs it's really like you explained no restrictions at all of course you as a club can say i will go for more restrictive um settings of on my own. So FC St. Pauli, for example, just announced that we will keep the 2G rule. So you need to be either vaccinated or recovered to attend the game. They ask to keep your mask on uh, at least as long as you're on your way to your seat or uh, to your terrace. Um, and when you are, when you are at your place, of course, you can then take it off if you want to. But I think this is so already quite different to most of the other clubs. Uh, for, for example, I was in Hanover this week and I managed to see the second half of the Hanover-Ringsburg game and it was 9,200 people in that big stadium of more than 50,000 capacity. Yeah, I think for, for most clubs in second Bundesliga, it will be some hard games to to get full capacity back uh, in the remaining games and um, only for the clubs at the top it might be a little bit easier so for example the weekend game St. Pauli Werder of course is sold out already and for all the remaining games of Bremen, Schalke, Darmstadt, St. Pauli it might be similar but um, well I haven't checked the HSV capacity today it was 21,000 in a stadium of also more than 50,000 capacity. So yeah, might be challenging, but um, as these restrictions are now gone, at least, like you said, the Ultras can return. Let's wait and see. All right. So this is it for part one of our show. We'll be back in a short chief talking about all things lower league German football. Here we go again. So, uh, Jasmine, there was a derby between Rot-Weiss Essen and Rot-Weiss Oberhausen. We talked quite a bit about both teams on our Regionalliga West special, but now they did something, um, you know, really nice to, to mark the derby. So what did they do? Yeah, so with the war in Ukraine, both clubs came to an agreement to during their derby, which is normally quite fiery, to send a peace sign during the clash by having one team play in blue and the other completely in yellow to show support by using the colours of the Ukrainian flag, which is a really nice idea for quite a, um, as I said, fiery spectacle. And it has a little bit more meaning because... Um, at the moment, Rot Weiss Essen is 
I think they are, were second before playing this game. They had, this is their gaming hand, their derby, and need to win to go back on top of the regional League of West. So, in and such which a they didn't, um, which they didn't. Um, Oberhausen won. They're one. one goal behind at the moment. Yeah. So live scores yet again on the podcast. Yeah, it's a really nice um, gesture, and also the teams have called out that as fights normally happen at this kind of regional league game they've asked their fans to join in with the peace gesture and try and make it a very um sportmanship event rather than fighting each other so hopefully that has happened too no reports of violence so far that I can see. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Rotweiss Oberhausen or das Essen just, uh, it was just blown off and it ended 1-1 with uh, Fastnacht scoring for Rotweiss Oberhausen and Engelmann, yes, the guy who was the cup hero against Bayer Leverkusen getting the equalizer for Rotweiss Essen in the 54th minute. So there you go. That is a live score service that you really didn't need. But maybe we just keep one eye at the table because we discussed Dead League before and now Preußen Münster and Rot-Weiß Essen, they both have 70 points. They both have 31 games. So seven games left for them and they are just separated by one goal. And we need to keep in mind that there was this game of the two clubs in Essen, which was 1-1 in the 17th minute. And then it was interrupted because some Essen fans threw fireworks on the pitch to the Preußenmünster substitute players. And in the end, it was decided that the three points go to Preußenmünster. And if they go up at the end of the season because of these three points, well, congratulations, Rotweiss Essen. <laughs> Audiole is going to be played in a sad way, I'm sure. Anyways, talking about the Dritte Liga, where Rot-Weiss Essen and Preußen Münster want to go, you know, we talk quite a bit about Magdeburg. You know, they look like a shoe and they look so solid. You know, Christian tits, it's, it's not gone tits up for him once again. But now on the weekend, Jasmine, they lost against Victoria Berlin, who are really solid dwellers, uh, newly promoted side, 2-1. Magdeburg haven't won in quite some time, and suddenly the others are closing in on them, right? Yeah, so just to cast your mind back a little bit, I think this was the biggest lead that they had, and it was at match day 26, and they kept that lead for some time. It was a lead of 14 points, and after their 2-1 loss, that has been cut to six points. So... Just to preface that, Magdeburg do have a game in hand, so they could go nine points ahead once again. However, four matches they haven't won. And then on top of that, one of those losses that they had was against Toguchi Munchen. So they've had that kind of record eradicated, which is good, but it depends on everyone else's results with Toguchi Munchen. If they won against Toguchi Munchen, then Their six points have gone if they've played them one against them twice, of course. So yeah, from a cut from 14 points to six is quite a jump. It's showing a little bit of complacency. These things happen when you have a big gap, though. So it's probably not going to be so bad, even if they draw their next game. But 
for the sake of confidence, you would want to win that game in hand just to get some of the shakiness because once that doubt sets in, it's very hard to knock it off. Although it has to be said, it is another eight points. Sorry, I'm doing maths in my head and that's Eight not, points down to like the uh, promotion playoff. Yeah, so I think even if Kaiserslautern do get close to Magdeburg, they will still be okay for a promotion spot. And then you've got in the Dritte Liga, you've also got the promotion playoff, which is also quite close with um, Braunschweig, Saarbrücken and München and Mannheim or Hatchley and Osnabrück all closely packed together. To get you mentions, results have completely changed how close it was and there are more more teams that are more likely to get into the relegation playoff. So, Mike, to good you mention, Jasmine mentions that they've gone out of business. So how has that impacted the Dritte Liga in its entirety? Yeah, very much. <laughs> <laughs> like Jasmine explained, all the um, results were erased. And uh, for some clubs, this was a pleasure. So, for example, 80-60, I think they only had one point out of these two games. Saarbrücken had six points out of these two games. So after Turgutchen left the league, the, the gap between these two clubs closed by five points. And now Saarbrücken is only one point ahead of 80-60. So it is, of course, a big challenge um, how to deal with these situations. I think, um, especially outside of Germany, everyone looks at the DFL and the DFB that we have such a good financial system and we can be so proud of that. But in fact, yeah, situations like these will happen. And of course, it's a big mess if in one of these top leagues, one club closes down the doors within the season. So, um, And there, there is a special uh, um, deal that if you stop playing, I think before mid of April, I'm not sure, or, or is it related to, to match day? I don't know. Um, then if you stop playing after that match day or that date, um, your results will be kept and the remaining games will be uh, um, decided for, for the opponent without the need to play the game. Um, but they stepped out earlier than that day or match day, and so the results were erased. And this was the strange situation that the sponsor of FC Saarbrücken was at least thinking of stepping in at Toguchi to to save them and um, spend some money on that so that the results will stay valid. In the end, he didn't do that. And I think that's the better choice. Yeah, I mean, right. The man we're talking about is, is not only a sponsor of Saarbrücken, he's also the club's president and his name is Hartmut Ostermann. Yeah. Now, I mean, I see one million problems if a guy from another club steps in... <laughs> You know, spilling out the cash just to, you know, being able to keep those results because they favor him. But having said that, this is actually quite dramatic for Zabrücken and a bunch of other teams, whilst some other teams can laugh all the way to the bank saying, well, we're back in it for promotion. We weren't because we, you know, dropped five of the six points we could have gotten against Tukachu, but hey, now we're back in it. And... 
I guess I, you know, I understand why Osterman and some other people might think this is not fair. So how can we avoid this from happening? Could there, for instance, be a fund that everybody has to pay into that assures that teams could finish the season if they indeed go bust in the middle of the season, which, you know, as it turns out, can happen. Yeah, but how big should this fund be? And then there will be a second club and a third club, and then the fund will be not big enough. So there will always be unforeseen circumstances Best thing would be that football players just play for their clubs because the fans are singing so nicely and they just love to do it. But this will not happen in professional football. Uh, especially not at Tukicu because nobody's singing at Tukicu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I think we just need to accept that, that in professional football it's all about the money. And if for whatever reason money is not existing anymore your club will have issues and um, in worst case if the circumstances are that bad then the club steps out and yeah well we just need to have to accept that i think bundesliga famous made you such a cynic <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah. uh, moving on Jasmine, that was you know PSG Chemie. They're, they're a team we'd like to return to every now and then uh, now they had a brilliant game against Carl Zeiss Jena even though Jena took the lead twice, but BSG got back both times and scored a winner in the end. However, that is not why this match made national headlines. So why did it? It almost feels like deja vu on this podcast to be talking about BSG, Kemi and this particular incident because <laughs> we talked about it. It's almost the exact same. Maybe a different kind of... Um, incident like caused it but apparently um between it was away at BSG Kemi against um Kalzaitz Nina and basically and another theme again with this podcast apparently the home fans threw pyrotechnics at the direction of the way block oh, I've missed fans in response to them getting pummeled with um, pyrotechnics, they tried to move and scale the fence to the home block. So almost the exact situation that we talked in before. And I remember, I think, one said, like, it's kind of hard to get in. There's a lot of space, so it's quite easy to scale the fence and get into the home block to for cover. And they were stopped by police officers once again. And a man was injured when trying to climb over the fence. Except he wasn't just injured by climbing over the fence and dropping, as it was said. Because once that apparently happened, the away fans attacked a police officer. Apparently, according to the report, they beat and stabbed the officer with poles who was unharmed thanks to his protective clothing. Oh, thank God. Yeah. The police have started investigations, such as attempted dangerous bodily harm and other such things. Luckily, the fan group that helps with um, fan problems with police um, for Carl Zeissina said the police have put out basically false information and that when the man was trying to scale the fence... He was pulled down by police officers. So there's the exact same story that we've had before. 
unprovoked, by the way. So, I mean, they, they, they basically, you know, knew that they could injure him potentially by doing what they did, and they did it just the same. And, um, I mean, that leads me to the question, uh, Mike, police in East Germany, what do we think? Are they, are they lovely people who, you know, help you along if you want to just watch a match of football in the lower divisions of the Regionalliga Nordost? Oh, maybe it depends on your political attitude. If you <laughs> say you don't wear a Torsteiner. <laughs> yeah, then it might be difficult, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think football fans in, in general are no big fans of the police in East Germany. They are no big fans of police in general, but especially in the East of Germany. And um, yeah, then more especially even if they are from teams who are maybe coming with a bit different attitude and um Karlsasina definitely belongs to that range the main kicker of that story is the fan group that helps with uh the police and fans that get into trouble with the police they know it's misinformation because they have evidence they have image evidence so there's the kicker of the story don't get caught if you want to do crimes and then or i don't know police doing crimes do you still call them crimes no i mean uh, they're, you do, they're you as do m- but <laughs> they're labeled as mishaps understandable mishaps <laughs> Mis- under the carpet happenings you know move along nothing nothing to see even though there's video of it. Uh, anyways, uh, Mike, before we get to the ground topping, to, let's do a little bit of related safety advice. If one of our listeners wants to travel to, let's say, Babelsberg against Energie Koppus in East Germany, what sort of safety advice advice would you give them? Because obviously, there are a couple of things to consider here, right? Yeah, well, first of all, no colors. <laughs> and don't go to the way end in that case. Um yeah, I think uh, the, the, I, I do plan to go to one of these games in the near future because I would really like to see the playoff game between the club from the Regionalliga Nord and the Regionalliga Nordost who will do a promotion playoff for Dritte Liga. Uh, at the moment, as it looks like, it could be VFB Oldenburg against BFC Dynamo. VFB Oldenburg having a bit of a right-wing you know, <sighs> yeah. connection as well, right? Mm. Not in particular, no. I don't think so. Um, wasn't, wasn't, there, wasn't there a press officer or safety officer who had some sort of uh, shoddy AFD connections? Or I'm, I'm okay, to remember. May, maybe, yeah, but I think not more than probably any other club will right, have right. in, in, in the supporters' sections. Uh, maybe, be, yeah, not St. Pauli, not Babelsberg, but um, any other club will have some guys who will have a right-wing attitude, but it's not like at BFC Dynamo or at uh, yeah some other clubs we mentioned earlier. So yeah, just take care of yourself. No colors. Go there uh, to the neutral section and maybe just check if it's really necessary to speak English or if you can keep calm for the, the for the duration of the match. Just to be on the safe side. Maybe go with somebody who knows the club you're going yeah, to well of course I would be my advice I mean going with somebody who can take you to the neutral section and point out where you can go and uh, how you sort of can avoid typical routes that uh, away fans for instance take uh, 
is uh, worth its weight in gold if you want to avoid police confrontation. Anyways, uh, time for your ground topping tip, Mike. And uh, well, where are you going to take us today? Is it is it South Germany, East Germany, North Germany, West Germany? Where where are you going to take us? I was so disappointed earlier this uh, episode because I wanted to do the FC Ingolstadt Stadium today. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> No way. Um, if you ever no, wanted I... to hear Lucas, uh, if you ever <laughs> wanted to hear Hansi Hinters here sing after a goal, you you know that's mm. where you should go. If if you're not interested in Hansi Hinters here, move along. Yeah, well, I will take us today to Dortmund. Way, but of course not for the Westfalenstadion. That would be too easy. But if you do plan a trip to the Westfalenstadion, make sure to check out the Rote Erde, which is the ground really next to it. So if you take a look at the Google Maps, you will see it. Uh, one end of the Rote Erde Stadium really is uh, next to the Osttribüne of the Westfalenstadion. It is, of course, the former ground of Borussia Dortmund. They played there from the late 30s uh, until 1974 when the World Cup in Germany happened and the Westfalen Stadium was opened. Until then it was called the Rote Erde Kampfbahn. So Rote Erde of course is red earth and it was because of the turf in the beginning. And uh, it has a maximum capacity at that times of 42,000. And at the moment, it's mostly used for athletics, but also the second team of Borussia Dortmund still plays there. They had a, have a lovely... The women's side as well, don't they? Ah, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, they have founded the women's side, I think, two years ago. They started in the lowest league at all. And of course, uh, they are running through the leagues at the moment. And yeah, you're right, they do play there. 10,000 at the moment is maximum capacity. The second team plays in the Dritte Liga. So there are some uh, interesting games also. Yeah, and like I said, it's also used for athletics. I really, really like it. You can, even if, if, if there is no match, you can go in there. There is... Uh, uh, some possibilities to sit down, have a beer and just look at that old ground and to the big stadium next to it. If the sun is shining, it's a really lovely place. And if you manage to find a date where there is also a game happening, unless other teams, Borussia Dortmund, do have a really good support for their second team. So my recommendation for today is that one. Great. It's uh, it's a historic place and some really big matches have taken place there, like that uh, Cup Winners' Cup match against Benfica. Uh, Benfica side that featured a Eusebio, which Borussia Dortmund actually managed to defeat in that competition and uh, they actually went on to win that entire cup, being, I think, the first German side to ever win an international title, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, it's been a blast talking to the two of you, um, Jasmine. Uh, always lovely chatting with you. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Yep, you can find me on Twitter, underscore Jasmine Barber, and you can find all work pieces that I'll put up on there. Mike, where can people get in touch with a future blind Bundesliga referee? <laughs> it's Mike Crew on Twitter, but of course you should follow the award-winning blog and podcast, The Millantone. Well, there you go. At least one of us has won an award. I haven't won anything since, you know, probably 
primary school or something. Even then it wasn't Constellation Prize, I'm sure. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter, Nick Viltagen, at Musings. You can follow the podcast at Talking Foosball. Make sure to give us a rating on iTunes uh, to get out the word. Uh, make sure to check out our Patreon site where we have loads and loads and loads and loads of historic content. Right about now we are publishing a series called Scandal, which is going to run for the rest of the season. Next up on this channel are the Fantasy Boys Flo and James who are going to tell you what you should do about your I don't know, holding midfielders from FC Köln. Buy them, sell them I don't know. They will. Until then, it is goodbye for now. <laughs>